Hello, welcome to the big kickoff on Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. 17th of October. It's getting close to Christmas. Halloween uh, oh, first. Halloween, Halloween. Get Halloween out right now. Don't, don't, don't mind Halloween. Not a big fan? Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Even when we were younger, I suppose the only thing was the, the amount of wrong, wrong, wrongers. Rockets and bangers. Wrongins. <laughs> Loads of wrongins out there. Rockets and bangers that were going off. It was... As we used to say, it was like Beirut. Yeah. But it was mental, the amount of... You don't even have that now. It's not uh, as much. It used to go on for a full week and... It used to be a little uh, kind of build-up and you'd hear kind of consistently over the few days up to it and then yeah. obviously a bit after. But uh, I was up the north actually for a meeting yesterday and literally it was back again straight over the border. Fireworks for sale, fireworks, fireworks everywhere. It was gas. That's great. Yeah, so but, so I don't know, for one day... I like to you Christ- take it or leave it? Yeah, I like Christmas because it's over a longer period of time and yeah. everyone's more or less coming home or whatever it is. Everyone seems to be in good spirits. So, uh, 0870627138 if you want to text we are the Hellboy. big kick off 96.5 man we've the press show today <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all social media of course yes why have we a depressing uh, show well we've got a United uh, no we Dale O'Donnell coming up from Straddy News hopefully obviously hopefully he keeps it light hopefully he's in good spirits because obviously the massive game this week with United versus Liverpool big game for many different reasons obviously for a bit of a light relief for United if they get a win and obviously maybe a bit more belief and get them going again. They're obviously a bit messy at the moment and then of course there's the fear factor that Liverpool could do a job and then there's the bigger fear factor if they do a job. Is Oli at the wheel? All this kind of shenanigans. So he's going to be on talking about that and then no doubt we'll have to talk about bloody Ireland anyway. Rugby, yeah, yeah. come on, Ireland. <laughs> yeah, screw it. No, Let's not look no, back. No, no soccer talk. So what will we play? Uh, so this is uh, for United, and I suppose Ireland and, and everyone in general. This has helped the Beatles. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. When, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I never, I never needed anybody's help in any way. Now, but now these days are gone, days and I'm not so self-assured. And welcome back to the big kickoff and Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Well, Manchester United, what do you say? If you're a Man United supporter, the last few years have been tough, but since Solskjaer took over the job permanently, it's been a very hard watch indeed. For everyone else, it's been heavenly bliss to watch one of the most dominant sides in English football crumble in front of their eyes. Dale O'Donnell from the award-winning Manchester United blog and news site Stretty News is on the line. Dale, welcome to the big kickoff. Thanks for having me. Really, oh, you're coming in loud and clear. And it's as well. double trouble at the moment if you're Irish and a United fan because oh, you're getting a boat weight. You're worst. not even getting light relief in the Irish side as well. It is, Dale. It's hard to watch football at the moment if you think of it that way. It is. It is hard, especially when Solskjaer came in as caretaker manager and the football was free flowing, mm-hmm. packing, high intensity. He said he wanted to get the players more fit so they could play that brand of football this season and pester with injuries and the football hasn't been good the results have been terrible we're not scoring goals and we're just in a big maze at the moment trying to find a way out uh, we'll go back just May 19th 2013 uh, Manchester United 5 West Brom 5 it's Alex Ferguson's last match 1500 and final match uh, they're 3-0 up, then they go 5-2 up, and ironically, a second-half hat-trick from Romelu Lukaku <laughs> denies a farewell victory. 
do you think Ferguson really left to spend time with the wife or did he see there was some sort of writing on the wall? Oh, no, there was many years in the early 2000s where people questioned Jared Ferguson. People said his time was up and there was mm. many tough seasons and that didn't put him off. You know, there was a time where he, he was going to ret- retire earlier or hand in the job early and he decided not to. So, look, it's just one thing you, you can hit Ferguson with. It's certainly not someone that's not going to rise to a fight. Um, he was there 26 years. And of course, look, he's every right to go and enjoy retirement with his wife. Um, I couldn't put that on him anyway. No, right. Uh, since Solskjaer was appointed permanently, Manchester United have the fourth worst points tally in the league, beating only Southampton, Brighton and Watford. 17 points from 16 games, only four wins. What do you say about that there? It's not good enough. It, it, it's certainly not good enough. But what I will say is Solskjaer took a risk in the summer. He knew by the end of the transfer window, it was late when Lukaku left and it was very late when Sanchez went on loan that we weren't going to get in that striker. I, I wouldn't put that on him. That's, that's the board's problem. That's the board's fault. They didn't back him as much as we thought they would have or as they should have. Um, but as, as Gary Neville says, and I totally agree with it, those, the players that left, if you asked United fans at the end of last season, were the United players or would they mind if they left? They would have said no. So he, it's, a, it's a total rebuild job and he has to be given the time to do that to get those players out. Then be given time to get to put the right players in. Hmm. Um, it's not it, Rome wasn't built in a day. Manchester United is going to take a long time to rebuild. Now, I, I'm not excusing the form at all at the moment. Hmm. It's not good enough. The football is not good enough. We're not scoring goals. More, we should be a lot better than what we are. The players on paper are certainly not a team that should be two points above relegation. But sometimes they need to bite your tongue and give a manager a bit of patience. His plan itself, in theory, sounds great, giving young players opportunities they need to learn. And the three signings he has brought in have, have done well, and they are setting it well. The results don't show that. One, the fact that it's a great, great prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good, impressed by him. Harry Maguire, solid presence. <sighs> hasn't done fantastic, hasn't set the world out yet, but look, centre-half going into a defence that's been troubled for many years since the years that we own and finish with there since they left the United defence hasn't been good and he's a good sign and he's, he's time to get in as for Daniel James to be honest no one expected no. him to, to do what he has done he's not from the championship as a young player and has probably played more games than what anyone expected so he's done really well so if anything, Solskjaer's decisions in that respect have been spot on. And I think with that in mind, if these are bad signings, I'd be more critical of them. But they were good signings, and I would trust them going to the Chinese transfer market. And I think it should be given the next summer market, too. Mm-hmm. And just going back a little bit in relation to when you mentioned Lukaku, I think he was quoted in the last couple of weeks about about being shorter striker. And he said something along the lines of he'd rather be shorter striker than actually have Romelu in the squad. Have, did you hear whispers or stuff in the background? Was he just such a bad influence on a certain amount of players or was he just bringing a bad vibe into the club or would you know much more? Yeah, well, he, he was given a bad vibe. Um, there, was, there was a row with Pogba um, mm. towards the end of, of the season or in the summer. Lukaku felt that Pogba was being protected even though he was a player that, that, that would have left Manchester United wanted to move. Mm. Um, but the difference is that Pogba came back from pre-season 
and get on with things like professionals. People might not call it professional, but I was hoping he'd advance United when he came back in the summer and he was a model pro, he got on with things. I think that was the difference. The Kaka came back, he went on tour, um, didn't really do much training, he take part in any of the games. Mm. I think if you have a player like that, that's going to give a bad smell in the dressing room, really, is it? It's mm. going to give other people the inkling that that's okay. Um, yes, we're short on goals, we do the tackle now, but so I'm so looking at this from a long-term, perspective, long-term view, that if he wants to get this right, he can't have any negative influence around, and he has to sacrifice maybe a few results for that. Um, right, last season, when Solskjaer came in, it was clear that he wasn't a, a big fan of Lukaku. He wasn't his type of striker, and he, he automatically preferred Rashford. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, there's no point crying over spilled milk. Lukaku no. was gone. Um, yeah, they, they they could maybe they might have kept on to him for an extra season, but then you're sacrificing having a player there that's just going to be huffing and puffing and mm. with a dressing room full of young players. That that's a bad influence and the the whole thing with United in the past few years and I, I, even the team now. United fans don't really. It doesn't resemble United fans. This, this team at the moment, even it's it's still learning. It's a learning curve. But towards the end of last season, in games when he got the time and job and the results were getting bad, it looked like the players didn't care. Mm. Uh, and, and for me, that that's worse than any results. That's 100%. worse than losing the game. If you see players like literally don't care about the shirts they're wearing, well, there's fans there paying their hard on money every weekend to travel home and away. Um, and if they can't see the respect, even look, for example, we lost games and there was only two or three players going acknowledging the away fans at the end of the game. And that's Solskjaer made that clear to players that he wanted the players to go over uh, and give the fans applause, win or lose, to go over and, and say thanks for coming. Um, so that's his philosophy. That's what he wants to bring. And that's what United fans want too. Yeah. I think any big club in Europe who are two points off relegation have the, the points from those games sack their manager. So... What saves Solskjaer here? I mean, he has signings, Wambasak and Maguire, James, yet we can say that they're all positive signings. Do we look at this now? Because we've looked at the other managers and said they didn't have the, let's say, the backing, but they didn't even have the the say in who came in. As Mourinho had said the other day, he he got Fred in and he didn't really want Fred in. And, And there's a few others who who came in and the manager wasn't really behind those signings. So are we saying now that Solskjaer is in charge of who comes in and if he does fail, it's off his own back? Look, I think it's been well documented the past few years that um, Ed Woodward's incapable of his job in football matters. Great businessman. Um, can't fall that but when it comes to football matters. He shouldn't be getting involved and he definitely crossed the line with, with Mourinho. Um, I, I don't really buy the whole thing that Mourinho didn't want Fred. He, he, he made comments that summer that it's every football team needs a Brazilian. <laughs> he went and signed him. And also, if you look at quotes when the day Fred was signed, I'm pretty sure you'll see Mourinho gloating about his new signing. So, look, that didn't work out. Mourinho had a say in signing. He, he wanted Lindelof. He wanted Eric Bali. Mm. Um, and then he came to the club last summer and said he wasn't happy with centre-backs. And United did just signed 60 million worth of centre-backs and neither of them were really working out. So the club are probably hesitant in, in trusting him uh, that again. So 
a lot of this to do with trust. Those are three signings so far have definitely warranted trust. But I do I, I do have a feeling too, and he, he came on to that point there that if he wasn't a club hero and he wasn't a former player, he wouldn't be getting he, he, more fans calling for his head now yeah. if, if he wasn't. Um, I do feel too that we've been here before and starting managers and we've seen players come in, new managers not liking those players and wanting their own. And that brings you back to step one again. Um, so I, I just feel... Who's out there now? You know, who, who's available for come in to do? You can say Allegri. Allegri also is a high maintenance manager. And I, I don't, I don't think Woodward's going to want to go into the same fishbowl as he had with Wien again. Uh, and he has spoken about bad transfers, and he's, he's happy with Solskjaer. I think being a yes man. Um, I don't mean that being disrespectful to Solskjaer either, because Solskjaer's come in, and even the results aren't great. His demeanour is a lot better than what it was at Mourinho. You to remember before the start of last season, Mourinho came into summer with the stats of the media with dour face, wasn't very optimistic yeah. about the season. And, and like as a football manager, you, that, that bleeds through the dressing room. Yeah, you know, the manager's not confident for a season start. That's not good. Whereas Solskjaer seems to be trying to pick the players up. They're not maybe not responding yet, but he's not giving up and I'm definitely willing to give him more. That's the biggest thing, unfortunately, in, in, in society, let alone football, that time is massive and it does take time. Surely you have to do is look back to the mid-80s and five or six seasons before you hit the glory trail again. So obviously he seems to have brought in these players and is the policy, do you think more so, that Oli is going to bring in players that fit what he wants, which that's what it looks like. But just me from being an outsider, not being a United fan, what way does Oli want to play? Or what do you think is, with the want of a better word, the philosophy moving forward and how they play? Because it's still hard to make, I think it's, it's hard to make out what he kind of wants going forward. No, you're right. You're right. You're right because I, I said it in the piece last week that United lack identity. Mm. Um, you couldn't sit down and watch United and say, right, what is the plan? It is. You can't see your plan. Um, but when he came in, I mentioned that there was high intensity. He said that he wants players to be fit, loads of running. Um, he wants attack and football. He wants weight. You know, we're not seeing that. And mm. I think a lot. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the standard of midfield that's there. The, the, the midfield is all over the shop. Every week we're basically just playing the players that are available. Mm. We lost Fellaini, who I think most United fans would agree wasn't really a United player. I was happy to see him go, but. Now people are saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't have sold him. And that, that's just, that's being desperate. The player that probably yeah. shouldn't have left was Ander Herrera. But then again, would you say he's one of the best midfielders around? No, you wouldn't. So you, you're, you're scraping at the barrel again. You know, you need to get, get the recruitment policy right. and poor for years. Ed Woodward still holds the key to that. So I'm not optimistic about him being around. But what I do understand from speaking to the club is that one of the reasons that they're hesitant to appoint a director of football is they feel that Solskjaer and Mike Feeling um, are kind of acting that role as well in, in terms of identifying players that are, would fit their system. Um, and again, I keep going back to those three signs. They're, 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 they're working at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe eventually, if you can get the midfield right, you'll start to see more attack on football. Like, you look at the moment, we haven't really got a defensive midfielder. No. Uh, we've, got, we've got Nemanja Matic. His legs are totally... Um, slow with the tortoise is not good enough anymore. And when you have that in, at, at the baseline, you're in midfield. Mm. 
you're kind of relying on Mick Peters to carry out his job too. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why United are so weak and look confused when they get into the final third. It just seems we can't break teams down. We're not quick enough. And do, do people really think by bringing a leg me now or bringing any other manager now that all of a sudden just the man is going to grow an extra pair of legs and that Miss B is going to grow? Fred, Fred, for instance, is one of the worst midfielders I've ever seen play for United. Can't pass five yards, gets the ball, turns into traffic every time. Have you not seen Cleberson, no? <laughs> he's not far off. He's not, he's not far off. He offers absolutely nothing. You've got McTominay. I'm going to rate McTominay. McTominay is a hard-working player. But again, he's a midfielder that should be in a, a strong midfield. He's, he's a supporter. He's a strong midfield. Supporter. How much did he cost again? Don't even mention it. You know what I mean? He's not a hard-worker. You might need players going to put in a grasp and not pretty Madonna's. Has Oli made his first mistake, though, in the, in the transfer, getting rid of players? He got rid of Hiera, he got rid of Lukaku, he got rid Sanchez. of Sanchez, and I don't really believe he got rid of Herrera. Herrera. I think Herrera, Herrera was off the contract to Manchester yeah. United. I think it was too late, though, wasn't it, Dale? Was it too late? Because the PSG contract came in later, you know? Yeah. He could have signed that. The player clearly wanted it, wanted to go. Yeah. He might he might dot it up on social media. But he he would have known, Dale. He would have known that that player was gone. And this is where I'm leading with the question: yeah. is is that yeah. they're all experienced players? Albeit, listen, if you don't feel that they're going to be in the team, that's hundred percent. That's no problem. But then you're 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 looking at your team and you're saying, well, we'll use unexperienced players to try and replace those experienced players. And these players aren't like even the Chelsea players who are all out on loan, gaining experience. These yeah. are boys who are playing in the academy football who don't really know the footballing world. Is that not the reason why Man United now are where they are? And we don't have a striker, i.e. an out-and-out striker, 20-goal a season. Martial's not that player. Rashford's not that player. Both of them play their best football on the left-hand side. Greenwood is one of those younger players. Did he, he? If anything, Man United could struggle to the extent that they're struggling now all season because they don't have a goal scorer as well. Yeah, well, look, he, he's gone in. With the, I don't think Solskjaer would have wanted to go into the season no. having solar Lukaku so late. Um, and I think that falls back on the board. The board, you could see, I, I firmly believe Herrera left for Silch, so he wasn't replaced because they got no money for him. Um, that comes down to the glades more so than Solskjaer. But the one thing, the, the counter-argument that is, you mentioned young players at Chelsea going out on loan, and Chelsea won something crazy like the majority of FAU Cups the past six, mm. seven years. The, the high standard of, of young players. We haven't won it since 2011 when the likes of Pogba, Lingard, and Rabel Morrison was in the team. And, and after that, you kind of see the players coming through United at the moment haven't been very, very good. They haven't broke into the first team like generations gone by. Um and when Ferguson left, United stopped signing 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds that were doing well at different clubs, foreign clubs. But the one thing I've noticed this summer is they've had about three or four signings of 15, 16-year-olds. Solskjaer wants to get that back on track mm. so the team is flooding with, with better players. They kind of, they bypassed that in recent years. I think that's the reason why you're, you're kind of seeing the likes of Chelsea youngsters are kind of doing a lot better. Um, this United signed two, one or two guys from Holland. One of them was a striker from Ajax. So 
that's a long-term view again from Soul Journey, trying to get that back on track. But did he need, this my, that's what my question is, should he not have relied so much on the kids uh, who are so unexperienced and even got in one or two maybe ex- experienced players who are good pros and you know that they'll do a job in a certain position course, and that yeah. would balance out with the younger players getting game time too? Yeah, no, I, no, I agree. And I'm, I'm sure if Solskjaer was here on the phone, he'd say the same thing off the record. You yeah. know, the thing is, too, we're totally forgetting is how difficult the Manchester United board have been the past few years. Mourinho has said it, Van Gaal has been critical of it. You know, if Solskjaer, if it was up to him, he'd have Lewandowski or one of the top strikers in the world sign the last day of the transfer market. But mm-hmm. United don't want to spend, his hands are tied and mm-hmm. this is his dream job. He's not going to kick up the fuss. Um, the club are probably realising now that they need to spend but with the Braves at the moment you just don't know you just don't know they, they, they're penny pinching they see the club with a commercial cash cow <clears throat> so they're going to try and get the cheapest way possible through mm. but it's definitely a mistake but again I think if it was up to Solskjaer he, he would have signed the centre forward and they're going to have to do it now in January and the problem with doing that in January is you're not going to get one of the ideal ones you want, you're going to have to get someone that's probably not getting much game time this season. Oh, yeah, Mandzukic. The point in is Mario Mandzukic. He'll be just filling the hole for six months, let's face it. That's all he will be doing. If he grabs five or six goals, it'll be a job done. Spot on, but like, you're going to cost the same about 11 million, that's not yeah, too true. bad. No, true. But the, the, the big problem though is how much you're going to be paying him per week yeah. and how, how long of a contract you're going to sign because Manchester United in recent years that's been a big problem. They've been giving yeah. stupid contracts to players and they did it not too long ago with Phil Jones got a big contract. He's been paid £120,000 a week, I think. And you look at across the Serie A, top quality defender, uh, Milan Shakira, I think from Milan, he recently signed a new contract getting 60000 a week. Yeah. That's half of what Phil Jones is on. Sitting on the bench, hardly getting game time. Mm. Just pulling funny faces for memes. Um that's about it. You know, so the yeah. whole policy, you're scratching your head thinking about United here. Like, why are they giving him a new contract? Why are they paying him this amount of money? It's just... And why aren't they not doing that and putting money into better players and transfer markets? As a United fan, it's frustrating mm. and it makes me want to back Solskjaer more that I just feel no matter what manager comes in, I'll be on this radio show next year and we're talking about the manager being dealt a raw hand again. Yeah, well, I don't think Allegri is the answer because he's not exactly a, a, the type of manager that Manchester United you know, style wants. I think no, he's more of a sit back. You sack Jose Mourinho and you can bring in football thing. and you bring in Allegri. Yeah. <laughs> two, two final questions for you, Dale. Liverpool at the weekend and if you had all the money in the world, you're going to back Liverpool to, to win the game. What can Man United do to get something out of the game? And that's that question answered, Dale. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, with this fixture, right, when we we were dominating, which we were dominating for long enough, yeah, yeah, I know it's all about that. Um, It was was always a close contest. Liverpool raised the game against us when we Mm -hmm. were dominating, and it was always close. To be honest with you, we build this game up so big, and the majority of the time you were sitting there beforehand, you yeah, my stomach, my stomach's churning, and the game ends up average. It's never a great game, really, yeah. anymore. It's always a dull affair. So, look, I'm hoping they to raise their game. I hope to kick Sal into the stands maybe once or twice and they nick a result. That's just a quick one on it. So, do you think he'd be under more pressure 
based on the performance over the result. Like if they don't show up and perform, will he be under more pressure than the actual result? Is it more pressure to actually make sure they show up and actually put in some fight, almost more so than the result? Yeah, well, I'd be very worried if I show up against Liverpool and don't go to fighting. Any United player that shows up Sunday and twiddling their thumb, not yeah. putting in a fire. Like, uh, to be honest, no matter who it is, I don't, I don't want them there next season. Yeah. I want them sold in January. You can't, you can't go into a game like Liverpool and not be up for a fight. Yeah. You know, you start me if you want. I, I, yeah. I'll put in a few tackles. I'll kick them if you want. <laughs> you can't. You, As we get closer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the final question, of course, is with the league table the way it is and I, I got slated at the start of the year on, on our social media for insinuating that Manchester you know it no again it was if Lukaku and Herrera and Pogba left yeah. that they could be flirting with relegation and I got slated that'll never happen to Manchester United. You know Pogba didn't go and that might be a, a, a factor because they actually are missing them no matter how many people say that they get annoyed yeah, well, by him. Yeah. but is it a possibility that Manchester United might struggle to get into that top 10? Yeah, it is. Uh, I wrote at the start of the season, my prediction was fifth. I've changed that since to eight. Um, but if results, if we lose the weekend and results continue between now and the next three to four weeks, well, ten to, it's going to be a struggle. You know, it is going to be a struggle. But look, you, I'm already writing off this season. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get top four I don't see it but then again you're looking at the likes of Spurs and you're looking at the likes of even Arsenal and Chelsea they're mm. not awfully consistent so it, it, I'm not writing it off just yet if, mm. if we pull, pull a shocker off the weekend we beat Liverpool that's a massive confidence boost yeah she'll give them all a boost and a, a, win, a win and run of six or seven games now would yeah. put United right back into the mix it's still early days yeah it's not inconceivable oh, I, yeah. I, I, I do feel uh, a heavy loss the weekend. It could put Soldier on a, on a tight rope that he could be he could be pushed off. Unfortunately, yeah. Dale, <laughs> thanks for the sunny uh, disposition on football. <laughs> I really, really hope the next time we're talking that it's uh, yeah. on a positive vibe for 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 Manchester United fans, uh, yourself, and myself. I'm not optimistic though. I couldn't care. No. <laughs> Dave couldn't give a crap. No, but listen. I do think that it is football's a, a very uh, it's a funny old funny game, old game. It can just turn, and all of a sudden you get six in a row, seven in a row, and and it's the game He's is turned it's on yeah. his head. And Greenwood is the best striker ever, <laughs> and all that sort of nonsense. So, uh, bit look, enjoy your point tonight because I know you're out and you're dying to have a, a, a point. But uh, we'll talk. Something on already. We'll 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 give you a show back hopefully when we do the big turnaround. Good. All right. Lovely cheers. Thanks very much. Talk to you. Bye. Bye bye. <sighs> no. I almost felt sorry. Almost. Uh, I didn't I didn't feel too bad now about that. I mean it, it it in all fairness, that's just the way it is. And if you're if we get an Everton caller on, they're gonna be talking. Yeah. And at the end of the day, form is completely out of the window in this fixture. And if you know you win, hopefully United fans relax and go, job well done, it's a one off. But let's make sure we do it next week because yeah. Liverpool would beat United and then go away to Leicester next, or not Leicester, say somebody lower and get beaten the following week. So beating Liverpool is irrelevant, to be honest. It's a nice confidence booster, but it's to make sure you follow it up beating the team you should really be beating. Prediction? Uh, I still, I don't, I, you can't not say Liverpool might win. Score. I'm not, it's, I don't think it'll be huge. It'll be 1-0, one, 2-1. One one. I think it's going to be a tight affair. It's not going to be this 3 or 4. Unless something bizarre happens and more injuries are sending off. 
I said, for United. I said 4 0 last week. I'm going to revise it. Trina. You're listening to Liffy Sound on 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big Turn kickoff and Liffy Sound 96.4 FM 0876271138. The big kickoff 96.4 gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to contact us, contact us through there. And anything you think might be an interest to the show. Bloody Netflix going up again. Go again. Sorry. Wait, what's wrong with Netflix? No, it's going up again. Oh, it's going up? Yeah, to what? 10 well, It's 9 99 is it? 10 99 I think. Is it 9 99 now? No, we're going into the double figures here. No, but it is 9 99 now. I think so. I think it is. Or yes. if it was 10, it's gone up to 11. It's, it's gone up another. It's, oh, it's going to go Mash up. Though, isn't it? Yeah, more people rely A lot quicker than you think, like though. Remember starting at 7? Yeah. Oh. Go on, shoot. Like the cigarettes. Oh, when it gets to a 10, I'll stop, I swear. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm not going into this detail, but it's a little segue in. We also, we, we uh, everyone and their mother are probably seeing the poor old video of the Enniscary Junior team and their mishap on the bus or whatever the bloody hell it was. Um, but Gaelic Sutton Hoyer obviously didn't, Plant Hoyer didn't exactly get great great advertisement out no. of um, I think my cousin works with him, I think. Does he? Yeah, I don't know how he's going. But anyway, loads of championships going on at the moment. And here's a funny little one. This is the 51-year-old who scored a point on his teenage daughter's boyfriend. <laughs> last, <laughs> Okay. This is in Gaelic, by the way, not in dodgy. So last Sunday saw two men in their 40s playing a part for their clubs and winning county titles. Desi Dolan, obviously the Westmead legend of 40, was on the Gary Castle side, which claimed the Westmead title. And Noel Gilligan, Gilligan saw game time in the last couple of minutes for Six Mile Bridge in their Clare Hurling tri- triumph. But down in Cork, a Cork Bay, a junior B league semi-final between Douglas and St. Finbar saw another veteran roll back the years, becoming acquainted with a new family friend in the process. So Billy O'Connell, a paramedic who spent 29 years with the Irish Defence Forces, regularly volunteers his time with local sports clubs in the city. And one of the first people on the scene of a helicopter crash in Lebanon, which saw... Jeez, this is getting very dark and dreamy. Anyway, go on. So last week, he was watching the game as normal, but after a couple of knocks to Bars players, he was thrown into the fray. So it's an episode that could be repeated in any club the length and breadth of the country. And this instance was a little different, however, as O'Connell's marker was known to him. He's my daughter's boyfriend and he plays a f- halfback. No. I only passed him once or twice, but I'm in bits today. <laughs> but he managed to get a point on him, so there you go. The fellow who was replacing him was a 5'12", but I'm only an 8, so he even hadn't got the boots or nothing. So oh, there yes. you go, pretty much on the sideline, going, get in there and get at it. So oh, I'd say he was sore. The beauty of the parish, the parish yeah, game. Yeah. But uh, this is when you really see Ga and GAA really coming to the fore. Like, whatever about county county hurling or football like it's the club stuff that really is the lifeblood of it and everyone and the mother and the different parishes really do come alive at this time of year And it, if you ask inter-county players they mightn't say it quite loud in front of many media outlets but winning for your club is far more important than winning yeah. for your county yeah. a yeah. simple fact of that so listen be careful on your buses and maybe walk through the town instead or just do the usual stick your heads out the windows and beep through the village or something instead <laughs> so stay safe out there county winners there are fewer things better about football than fans, and we've seen a brilliant example of that this week. Iran versus Cambodia was always oh, yeah. going to be a notable meeting as it represented the return of women to Iranian football stadiums. Do you know since when? 79 or 80 or 81. It's, it? it's, it's nearly 40 years. It's a long time, isn't it? Unbelievable. But that wasn't at all that captured the, the public's imagination. In the stands, Cambodia didn't have many fans at, at the game at all mm-hmm. because of the six thousand kilometer journey and their unfortunate, I suppose, chances of winning. Yeah. One of the few never stopped cheering, however, fanatics was in the ground. Cambodia lost fourteen nil. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's kind of a record, mm. but they had one fan 
in the stand. The ultra. The ultra. And he had a microphone. Is that ah. what, is that what you call them? The <laughs> megaphone. Megaphones. Brilliant. And he had a megaphone and uh, yeah, he didn't stop chanting for the full 90 <laughs> minutes. So three drums, he, he a megaphone. He get an award at them shenanigans, them, them awful FIFA best awards. He better get something next year. Uh, three drums, a, mic- uh, a megaphone and some undying support. Sorry, what more could sorry, a team Sorry, three want? drums. Three drums, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On his own with the Cambodian flag behind him. Yeah. So listen, fair play to him. Good, Good luck to him and that's what you want. I nearly went into it straight away, but I'm not getting into it. It's too depressing. Go. Oh, anyway, uh, speaking of which, we have a new up-and-coming Irish talent in the world of darts. And he goes by the name of Keen Barry. He's a 17-year-old from Dulik, and he's qualified for the main first round of the World Championships in Ali Pali in December. So it was televised on Sky Sports there at the weekend. It was the Tom Corby Memorial. It's the Irish match play, basically. Mm. And he bet uh, uh, Galway man Liam Gallagher in the final. Now, he already qualified through the junior... <laughs> What? I say Gallagher. Uh, no, go on. What? I had a, a Liam Gallagher impression in my head when you when you said. Oh, actually, I'm just not yeah. I didn't realize. <laughs> I, I was just reading anyway. But go the on. victory song secures first PDC World Championship shot anyway. So it's capped off a hugely successful fortnight. He qualified uh, through the International Junior World Championship final as well, and uh, he won a Junior International Open in Gibraltar, hitting a hundred point five average in the final. Jeez. He has practiced with Van Gerwen obviously over the last few weeks, and of course he's saying yeah. Grant, he's got it. Hopefully, keeps the head down and makes the right decisions, whatever that means. But it's an obvious uh, statement. But hopefully, he's looked after by the right people and takes it serious. Because I tell you, you can't make a nice few bob in this game anyway if you're as good at, if you if you're good at it. But it is cutthroat. It's a bit like everything else, you know. Only the elite few will really make the big bucks. So, Keen Barry is his name from Dulik, and obviously, we'll see him in the first round proper. And hopefully, over the years to come, you might see him really starting to come to the fore at the. Darts. Yeah, I think you're going to see a few coming through because it's got so popular now that I think you're going to see a few popping up. They really do emphasise this a lot now and they have the final. I think they've had the whole tournament bar the final and they leave it to Lally Pally. Mm. Uh, and the World Junior Championships will be on. I think it's be on the same night, maybe in a pre-thing before the main final. And there is a junior tour. So it's almost like a little build-up and you're playing the best of the rest yeah. and of course they'll make their way into it. So obviously that's the way it is and you need the new superstars as much as Van Gerwen is Van Gerwen isn't I don't think we're ever going to get the 15, 16, 17 titles or whatever the bloody hell it is with uh, with Phil Taylor but Van Gerwen still is a mega star and that was his fifth match play there again at the weekend they all fell like uh, all the big seats just dropped like flies in the first mm. or second round mm. but he stood strong and he bet Chizzy Chisnell Davy Chisnell in the, in the, in I the think point. there's a chance for anyone who's coming up now I think there's it's a chance kind of open, there's, yeah. a, there's a good few of them at the same kind of level age group and all and you're expecting them to start to fall away and there is a chance to pop into that sort of Premier 100%. League there if you're on the periphery uh, boxing unfortunately Patrick yeah. Day has died age 27 after spending the last four days in a coma following his fight against mm. Charles Conwell so the American box was knocked out in the 10th round of his belt and was carried away from the ring on a stretcher <laughs> there's not really too much you want to say yeah. about it it's, it's really unfortunate it puts a little bit and more pressure Charles on Con- boxing Cornell, like, yeah, Con- is it Conwell yeah, Con- yeah. Like, yeah. No, neither of them have any intention no one has any intention deep down um, I know there's to be bad blood and they sell fights but um, he's going to be very badly affected by this as well and obviously the family's a Patrick Day 100% yeah. but hopefully uh, the powers that be in boxing keep an eye on Charles Conwell as well because yeah. that's, that's got to leave him yeah. and that could affect him in his game he mightn't have the same spark like I remember reading Barry McGuigan's book when he um, uh, Young Ali Kid Ali or something was his name and he died uh, a guy who he took on he died uh, a few uh, weeks or days later anyway and he said it, it took a couple of fights before he kind of 
it was very close to going one way or the other. Now he managed to kind of go on, mm. but he said, um, yeah, it definitely left a mark, and it was something that it. It was, he said it was very close to going one way and another and he managed to kind of get through and get back on the horse properly but I think it's the first fight or two after that he wasn't the same and he genuinely was nearly close to saying I'm done the Chris, Chris Eubank was the same remember he, he used to rush yeah, over yeah. to people and say alright and Michael pick them Watson, up yeah, and uh, I think Tyson was kind of the same as well Tyson I think Tyson realised how much Jeremy, power he had Jared McClellan one of the greatest fights I've ever seen and poor El McLennan obviously yeah. very badly damaged afterwards and it says here Patrick Day didn't need to box he came from a good family yeah. smart educated good values and he had loads of other avenues where he could have earned a living he chose to box knowing the inherent risks of every fighter faces mm. when he walks or she I heard walks a quick, just a quickly, ring, so. just a quick thing and I heard there was a slight injury apparently <clears throat> it could have developed in the early rounds and Spencer Oliver was on Sky Sports News today and he said something along the lines that, that they're looking at like a miniature version of a brain scan that they can actually use as the fights are oh, right, going okay. on. So that they can kind of almost take a little image of your brain and just see how it's going. Almost that they're talking actually during the fight. I don't know how realistic that is or is it something that can genuinely happen. I just literally heard it. It sounds it. like something that's going to happen. Anyway, yeah, it's, it? it's just something I heard before I left. So it's not something I can look into and say, yeah, this is something that's actually realistic. But maybe it's something that they're trying to get to. But apparently they will have, they're trying to get something that they can kind of almost take a quick scan during the fight that they can kind of go look he's developing so yeah he's gone yeah. let's take him out because they reckon the damage is done in the second round and then every blow after that really just hammered a home boy if yeah. he had to come out then he'd have been okay yeah. yeah so yeah anyway unfortunately it's very sad to see okay listen we're going to take a break we'll be back after this tune to Lippy Sound 96.4 FM Dave what have you got <sighs> I suppose we have to talk about it don't we oh we're going straight into it are we are we okay no? yeah no I thought we were going to we we keep no we keep we try and get it light by the end but let's get it out of the way. Um, okay. Bit of a disappointing few days for the Irish both Saturday and Sunday or sorry Saturday and Tuesday, including the twenty ones. Uh, and uh, yeah, now I didn't see there was no stream of the game, but yeah, either Good Johnson, it was his son that scored the penalty, and apparently it was quite controversial that maybe it shouldn't have been a penalty. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, listen, they ha- they put up a great result against Armenia. I think they bet them five or six nothing. So. Just on a result alone, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy game. So losing 1-0, I wasn't shocked. But then obviously hearing more about it, apparently it was a bit of a controversial penalty. But uh, we'll try and maybe potentially do it an amalgamation of the two. But just quickly go back to Saturday. Saturday was just like it was always. It was like it was like O'Neill or Trapattoni were on the sideline again. It was really poor, wasn't it? Well, t- talk about the team at the start. Again, it, like Georgia... Fair enough, we've yeah, talked about yeah, that, right? Yeah. So, oh, it's not an easy place to go, blah, blah, blah. But they showed nothing, Georgia. Like, nothing to... I'd say the game with Denmark was more Denmark missed chances. Yeah. Hence why it was nil all. Yeah. While with us, we were just as poor as they were and did nothing. And just my general opinion, a little bit more belief and confidence in the players and among the team probably would have got them over the line. But it sounded like and it looked like we were kind of happy to get a draw. And 100%. we were looking to get a draw out there, wouldn't we? It was like he said, let's win one of the other two yeah. and let's write this one off. And I'm like, why not put in a bit of a performance to set you up for the next yeah. two? Very strange. Very, it's, very strange. So we, we'll go on from that because everyone's seeing that game. and yeah. Except for one or two things. Just the go, last yeah, thing yeah, I want to on. mention about it in relation to Georgia. It was just certain things just really bugged me. And the pressing was great. But you can see with some of the pressing, it's, it's brainless stuff. 
Like it's running for running threes, but not actually trying to be effective. And McLean, unfortunately, ran himself into the ground. And then he started doing silly things like running a ball off the pitch with 20 minutes to go. And he's knackered. And then the hands are coming out. He's pointing at people. And it's like, you're done, mate, because you're running down blind alleys for no reason. You don't have to run constantly all the time. Mm. Pick and choose. Use the top six inches of your brain. Well, there was one moment when McLean... He ran it off the pitch. There was one moment where he had it down the left-hand side. And he got put in with a great ball down the left-hand side. And he he was ahead of the defender, mm. so he had space, and this is near the edge of the box, and he had space to whip it in, and he decided to pull it back, and then tried to go and whip it in with his right foot. Then when he, but he doesn't seem to understand or know what he's going to do now, he's and just, I don't. They, they, so they showed the two and a half minutes, a clip of his two and a half minutes of what he did during the game, and most of it, eighty percent of it, was losing the ball. Yeah. The rest of it was a couple of little passes. Incredibly frustrating. Listen, he works hard and he does get back and he does make great challenges and he does make a hard for people. Absolutely. And he'll give his heart. We need I totally understand that. Now, don't we? But he's nearly guaranteed the game all the time. Oh, he's and probably first the in the team sheet. Mm. Now, his attitude is a manager's dream, and I get that. Every, like, door count back in the day, and there's certain players that Michael Carrick mightn't be the sexiest team, but what he does, you can't buy. You need to do something with the ball. But that's the thing. And I've been, you know me, I've always screamed about him for, for the last year or two. I'm bored of it. I'm bored of listening to the fact that he runs himself in the ground. Mm. I don't care anymore. It's, it's, this is where, in my opinion, McCarthy, do something about it or take him out. Yeah. Try and work with him or take him out. Bring in O'Dowda, who has, he might give you the same amount of kilometres on the pitch in the 90 minutes, but he seems to be able to just be that little bit slower up there to slow down and try and do something. With him. I'm not saying he's a genius, mm. but try it out. Or work with McLean. And if he's still going down the blind alleys, I'm sorry, he has to give him the shepherd's hook. He has to come off. Well, he hasn't played really for Stoke this year. And when he has, it's been exactly. in left full. Exactly. No, it's a defender. I don't know if I trust him in around the box. And to for, fast forward to a Switzerland game, everyone's the goal. He was on his own. Was it the was it direct from the free kick or did he get the pass from the free kick? But he kicked it out to touch. Yeah. Literally 10 yards in front of him, he put it out to touch when he was trying to send it down. I wasn't sure if it was him or Steve. It was him. But okay. I don't know whether he got the pass or he hit the direct because it was a bit of a it was a bit of a dodgy. I didn't see exactly no, he who got, did it. No, he got control of the ball and, and then, then knocked it, it out of play. And then from there, they scored. Yeah. And everyone now, was going, wheeling this and wheeling that. Point. No, it wasn't even that. I, I was looking at Kevin Kilban and Brian Kerr who were on Virgin Media and they pointed out Aaron Connolly for mm. it was his fault that they scored the goal and he shouldn't have been playing because now they were all calling for him beforehand yeah. but the, the thing usual. is Aaron Connolly when I looked at it Aaron Connolly was partly to blame for it because mm -hmm. he wasn't marking the player goal side and yeah, he kind of yeah. left a big gap in the middle and, yeah, they, yeah. and they went through Absolutely. but if you as you said bring it back 10 seconds I'm not 15 it's seconds reason, no. but they gloss over that they, they don't see the, a ball that's just knocked out of play. And how many times did that happen? How many times? Now, this is what, what I want to talk about. I thought the shape, 3 5 2, I said, great. Yeah. He's going, going. And it looked okay. Looking like he's going to go for it a little bit, mm -hmm. right? The players, I said, right, fine. Coleman, wing back, probably a better position. Stevens is in, wing back, great. Connolly up front with Collins, fine. Maybe there's a partnership there, but maybe he's going to cause problems. Mm -hmm. So I said, right, Brown's in, maybe there's tiredness there, but Hurahan didn't play very well anyhow. Mm -hmm. He probably could have taken out Hendricks. He could have taken out any of them. Anyone. So I said, right, this team doesn't look bad. Every time Coleman has, his form from Everton is coming into the Irish team. He, there was three times in the first I half. I think it's the other way around. I think it's his Irish form is coming into Everton. Well, uh, one or the been, other. He ha, he's been very, very poor. Very poor. And three, ta three poor. times in the first half, he knocked a long ball over the top that went out a play over the goal line. He'd You're be thinking, dropped for Everton if he did that. What are you doing? 
He did it in the home game. I think I said on the show, he did it in the home game where there was about 30 yards in front of him and the ball was bouncing and instead of taking the touch, he jumped up to meet it and just launched it and it went mm. out to touch. If it was rugby, you'd say, great. But he was doing it last one and he was even doing it the, the, the night he broke his leg against Wales. It was all long ball, long ball, long ball. And it's like, he's been doing it for years for Ireland. But mm. it, it, it's Seamus Coleman, he's our best player. Well, the, I, I, I was watching it with my dad mm. and I turned around and I said, listen, after 35 minutes, mm. I said, if it was me at halftime, I'd be taking Jeff Hendricks off because he's yeah, doing nothing. Yeah. He's not doing that defensively. And it, like the odd time he's doing something. And Coleman. Yeah. And I put Matt Doherty on yeah. and may, who? Maybe who are him. I don't know, but you need to change. Spe- it. Ironically speaking, at Doherty, like the little the little spark. Remember the little run where he bare two or Now he took it on too much and it went out of play. But you're kind of going, right, Grant, now make him do it again. Yeah. Make him do it again. And one of them only, only one of them has to come off. Yeah. And it never happened again. And he became more and more back and back. It reminds me, I don't know what it is, I'm trying to put my finger on a couple of things, but what, are we becoming a bit like England during the Lampard, Gerrard and all them era where as soon as they put on an England shirt, they're not the same player? Are some of these lads a bit similar? When they put on the Ireland shirt, they go in they go in on themselves or there's a bit of a fear factor mm. because some of the, like Whelan, the blocks and everything else was brilliant and I'm delighted for it, but he kept going into the inside left pocket or inside right pocket and didn't want that bloody ball in any way, shape, or form. It's like he opened up the midfield and said, play it up long to the lads or go into it. And he and he went into positions. I'm not to do an inverted commas that no one can see. He went into positions, but never looked for it once. Didn't want the bloody thing in any way, shape, or form. Hendricks done the same thing. And to an extent, Brown did. But as we've said before, everyone, they can't string a pass together. The reason why they can't string a pass together is because there's no one to give it to. We did a, there was one passage to play. Remember, it was like near the end of the first half. And it was a weak shot that went into the key. Collins chance. in the end hit, yeah. I think it was the fullback had the ball. There was a free man, he gave it to him. Your man took a touch, there was a free man, he gave it to him. Next minute, another touch. Then it was a lovely true ball. That's passing, but we're not Barcelona. But there was men free and they gave it to him. So we can string a pass together. But the reason why we don't do it enough is because lads hide. As you said before we came on air, it wasn't just because men were free, it was because men moved Correct. to be in a position. It's movement to be free. off the ball. Yeah. It's not because they can you watch them warming up, they can hit it anywhere they want. So why is it that they're able to go out and pass? And this is the question that Tony O'Donoghue was mm. asking. Why is it that they can go out and pass for their clubs? They can get on the ball, knock the ball around. Because there's look. options. The manager is now, and I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm not. Really, I don't think I'm having a go at Mick McCarthy, no. but I probably am. Yeah. When I look at it, and I'm saying, right, you're getting paid huge amounts of money to get your team ready. Mm-hmm. Now he's saying, well, they're not passing the ball, and they haven't passed the ball, and they haven't played twenty minutes of mm-hmm. more than twenty, twenty-five minutes of good football mm-hmm. in a row mm-hmm. in any of the games. Mm-hmm. So why is a team that are playing? Plenty of Premiership players and Championship players, which is one of the biggest second divisions, mm-hmm. yeah, probably the yeah, yeah, biggest yeah, second division is. in the world. Can't they pass the ball five yards? And you said it's, it's the, the movement, movement. Off the ball. but so they're obviously not asked to do it because if they 100%. can do it, they obviously said, "Listen, yeah. knock it into the big two and then see what we can pick up." I, and we're not even doing that well. I've given up. I, there's not. I, I can't fault the players. And and to be honest, even back in the day, like in the O'Neills and Trapattonis, when you're watching certain players and you know how they can play for their clubs. It's obviously the way they're told and the way they're... And, and this is where he needs to start earning his crust and he needs to start looking at his videos and going, here's the reason why. Because look at your man. Look at him pretending to look for it. But he's hiding behind a, a, a Swiss player. Mm. There was one moment and Enda Stevens right near the maybe the 15-minute mark to go and John Egan had the ball and he had a bit of time and there was a Swiss guy 10 yards in front of him and... Excuse me, Enda Stevens was about five yards behind him. So he was free. 
blatantly obvious. I don't know why I noticed it. He looks behind him to see there's nothing there. And there's about 15 yards to the touchline and there's nothing in front of him. Instinct, as a, as a proper professional footballer, start backtracking into the space. Mm. He stood still. He still got the ball because he was free. But all he could do was take a touch and give it back because your man was on top of him. And that said everything. Like, that said everything. And it's what the majority of the team do for the 90 minutes. Mm. They kind of stand around going, I don't really want to. I, I genuinely, and it's mostly in the midfield, and that's what to link everything up. But even our long balls in the first half, they went over the top, yeah. skidded off, and into it. they were hitting long balls right into the chest of Mbolo or onto his head. They hit yeah. their player. Like, even our long balls weren't coming off. Yeah. But it's the, it's the movement off the ball, and he perfectly seen there was a massive circle of space for him, and he stood still and said, as if I don't really want the ball. Yeah. And he could have taken his couple of yards back and put a touch in front of himself and gone forward. Because you heard McCarthy in the first half shout, forward, forward. forward. And in, fa- in fairness, he was correct in that, because the, the ball yeah. ha- had got into a position where you go forward, and, and attack or you go back and you're kind of consolidating. The safety, yeah. And there was loads of time to go forward. And then the second player who got the ball, there was loads of time. So two and passes went backwards and he's shouting, go forward, go. So is it a bit of both? A, is oh, that yeah. a bit of what you're saying about the players are a bit, I'm afraid I, here. I genuinely am starting to think there is a potential fear factor when they put the jersey on and they're, it's what they're used to. And I'm not saying they're believing what we're saying, but it's not even what we're saying. It's just like, we want more from them. Hmm. And most Ireland fans aren't really saying that shit or he's crap or he's rubbish. It's like, you're better than this. Mm. That's what most of us, I think, are saying. You are better than this. We know we're not Brazil and we know we're not there. But we're not far off Switzerland and Denmark. Yeah. But we play like we're Liechtenstein and Gibraltar against them. We, we play, yeah. contain, contain, let's nick what we can. Yeah. Instead of, let's contain, but with a, with a name to win. But not even that now. We're playing that like, like that <laughs> against Gibraltar and Georgia. So... <laughs> It's we're a ba- terrible against the weak sides. Even yeah. back in Charlton's year, we were, remember we drew a Liechtenstein. We're terrible. Anyhow, so yeah, if we go on to Denmark, we if, beat him, and all of a sudden he's a genius. And you're you're true, and his job <laughs> is done, and that's what he got paid to do. Yeah, and in fairness, that is it. That is it. He won't care about his form. He has one remit: get us in there next okay, year. Okay, so and that's it. there's no development plan whatsoever there. And just quickly mention the playoffs. Oh. Then if we don't beat Denmark. What happens? More than likely we'll be in the playoffs because all We the just cannot get out of this competition, can we? And it's so hard. Us, it's not even a one-off, two-legged game. It's There's going to be four from our pot and it'll be a semi-final and final. And at the moment, if people move the way they should, it looks like it could be Bosnia, Slovakia and Northern Ireland. So we could end up playing in a final against Northern Ireland for a spot in the Euros. Yeah. Wow. After Brexit. Awesome. <laughs> play it play it in Switzerland, play it in a neutral venue. But there you go. That's 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 where we are. I think we can only come back to listen, we we want everything for Ireland. I do think there has been an improvement mm. from Martin O'Neill, where yeah. they've come out a little bit and tried to play a little bit more. But we kind I of took d- a step back this week. I do think we took a step back this week. Yeah, yeah I do yeah. after everything. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think that's where the disappointment comes from. And that's what it is. And I don't think we're I don't think we're hypercritical. It's just, it, it's like that age old thing. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's what it yeah, feels yeah. like. It's just, I'm disappointed because the effort we got on Tuesday, why wasn't it there on Saturday as well? Yeah. You know, in my opinion. And that, that, that grinded my gears. So anyway, there you go. Okay. Come on, Ireland. We'll, we'll still be there in a month's time hoping we, and I tell you, I want to stuff them because Schmeichel giving it the big one. We're used to it. I tell you, I'd love it if we beat them. I love it. <laughs> okay, listen, we've, we've only got one more thing we can talk about, oh, Dave. It? Yeah, because oh, we've well got then, the minute left. I think we should mention Brooks Kepka. I think it's very funny, his quote yesterday. Oh, they were trying God. to get the, the rugby people are going to be disappointed. Oh, yeah, affect them. 
egg chasers. Uh, he just said, oh, there's no uh, there's no rivalry with McElroy and playing it down. But then he put up a little quip. Well, sure, he hasn't won a major in five years. So I was really like, no, there's no rivalry, but I'll still stick I'll it still to him a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, let's finish off with the big one. Um, New Zealand, quarter past 11 on Saturday. Please, God, we might break the hoodoo, but we couldn't have got a harder team in New Zealand. Thankfully, we've beaten them a couple of times now, so it's not exactly like it's the impossible dream, but we can dare to dream. And, you know, we always have a good performance in us. We beat Australia uh, a couple of years ago in the World Cup and all that. And look, we're still a top side and we could show up uh, in the way we know we can. We could. Could. Um, yes. But we're, like we said... But we're not in, going to be... You're, you're going to go into this game. New Zealand have seen... Yeah. We've played our cards Two against weeks them. weeks rest as well. They've yeah. been very fresh. We've, we've played our cards against them. So they know yeah. what's coming at them this time. We can't surprise we, them. We are quite predictable. Now, we need to kind of... Um, I don't think we can give them any advantage. I don't even think we can let them score first. I think it's one of them where we can't give them any momentum. It's, yeah, it's it's a tough, tough, tough ask. Never say never. I'm not ruling out. I think it's. I, I hope it's a cracker. And like we said, going out the quarterfinal stage again would be heartbreaking. But if we go out having given it a cracker, and of all the teams, you could kind of forgive them losing the quarterfinal. To, you'd forgive them to New Zealand, providing they show up and they providing they do a, a top job, which I think I think they will. Um, and hopefully it's good enough. Hopefully it's good enough. It'd be it'd be awesome. And then it would be England or Australia in the semi. Yeah, uh, uh, easy. You're expecting England, aren't you? Uh, yeah, like England's, unless nerves gets to them. England are tipping along nicely. They did yeah. a good pre-season thing, and Wales, France. Pff, that's a, that could be a cracker. I think that could be that the game. could be a cracker, yeah. and then you know. It could be a cracker. It's a cracker of a build-up between uh, South Africa and Japan purely because of the whole revenge factor. Obviously, Japan are flying, but South Africa will really want to do a job on them for the well, World Cup game. South Africa are solid. They've had their two-week break as well, yeah. which is probably slightly unfair, but what can you do? Uh, hurricanes happen, typhoons, whatever. Uh, but if you look at the bookies, could be the bet of the week. Japan oh. are 11 to 10 to win. That is not a bad bet. With a 15-point lead. Oh. Yeah. Now, there is a... That's what I'm saying. That's a huge bet. Put it this way. If South Africa beat them by more than 15 points, I'll be impressed. Yeah. Because I... This whole national thing and being at home in every any tournament or any... Gives end, extra it percentage, does. doesn't it? And they're actually playing well. And yeah. they're going to be as fit, if not fitter than them. It just depends... A bit like the start. If they can get in and maul them a little bit and get a good start, yeah. it could be maybe that 15-point gap. But... Yeah. They're going to be mean and nasty. I can see South Africa being mean and nasty going, yeah, we all remember that World Cup. And I'm sure it's been brought up a lot. Great weekend of sport ahead of us. Enjoy. Can't wait to talk a little bit about it next week. And uh, be good. See you then.